Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies, Episode 8. Today, we are going to talk all about hive inspections. So this should be your number one inspection. First time, rookie time, rookie season. So good stuff coming your way. First off, I want to say a big thank you. I've had a lot of people reach out by email and they contact us on the website. And I thank you for your questions because it's a lot of fun to kind of lend a hand and help folks get pointed in the right direction and to also kind of hear the stories. I've gotten some pretty cool emails from people who are doing different and fun and unusual things and how they've gotten into beekeeping and lots of good stories. So I appreciate the feedback. Okay. So today we're going to talk about a couple of things, kind of run through the agenda here. So you kind of know what's coming. I'm going to do a few updates on, on me and, and what's going on around, around my house, the apiary and, and all that good stuff. And then we're going to talk about the kind of some do's and don'ts around inspections in general, right? We're going to go through, you know, what you need to do, what you need to have ready, and how you need to do an inspection, just generically speaking, every time you go to open the hive. And then we'll, we'll get into some specifics around what you're going to need to do on this very first inspection. And this is going to apply to whether you have a nucleus colony, package bees, first season, fifth season, the rules aren't going to change. So with that, let's go ahead and jump in and get started. So what's going on with me? So as you know, we've got the apiary property set up down uh, just across the border in North Carolina. Not a whole lot of exciting progress to report there. Um, I've been really waiting for ideal conditions to burn down some of this debris 
And I'm just a little bit paranoid. I used to be a firefighter years ago, so I'm kind of like, I'm kind of ultra paranoid around wildfires and making sure I don't burn down my neighbor's houses and destroy all the wild land and the wildlife and all that good stuff. Out of abundance of caution, I'm just taking my time on, on making sure conditions are right. So hopefully I'll be able to get in there, get all that debris cleaned up and get everything completely set up here in the coming weeks. Now, right now my bees are still down in Florida. They're going to be coming back up here uh, in about a month. We'll be on pollination contracts in North Carolina on some watermelon, which will be pretty fun. And from there, we'll bring them back to the apiary probably mid-summer. Then we'll head down to Florida again, do some other work down there, and then kind of see what comes next from there. So that's kind of the excitement at the property. Local here at my house, I still maintain some hives here, and I've got the one that I've, I mentioned a while back that was pretty strong, overwintered very, very well. And this is just a nuke. It's a five-frame nuke, and I've got three of them stacked. So I've got 15 total frames. Overwintered extremely well, very strong colony. And I went out there, and I saw that there was there were so many bees about a week and a half ago that I recognized that they really needed to have an inspection done. I needed to get in there. And I was kind of a little bit late on it anyway. I got a little bit complacent. But I went into the colony and, I mean, it was packed. There were so many bees. So I went through just kind of, you know, frame by frame, checking things out. I, I really, I took the top one off because it was completely packed with honey. I moved that complete nuke to the side and dove into the middle of the, the middle nuke. Immediately, I found queen cells, and, and we're going to talk about this, by the way, today. We're going to talk about, whether it's this episode or the next one, we're going to get into things like swarm cells, queen cells, emergency queen cells, supersedure cells. We're going to talk about all of that stuff, but I'm not going to go into too much detail right now. But what I found was a bunch of swarm cells inside the colony. I think I found it was four or five queen cells that were capped and probably within a few days of having a queen. And, and that time period is about 14 days, 14, 15 days. Well, technically, it's about 16. But by the time you get to about 14 days or so, that's when the colonies are like, okay, we got a new queen coming. We better pack and hit the road. So I, I went into the colony. I saw, I think it was four or five closed queen cells, swarm cells. And then I went in and I found queen cups and a queen cup is is just a a uh, swarm cell that hasn't quite been fully developed yet. It's a cup that the workers will make. Queen lays an egg in it. They make it into a queen cell, and then they continue to draw out the comb around it to make a fully developed queen cell. So I found a queen cup that had a larva in it. So that was another queen they were making. It was just packed. Then I found this one frame where all of the comb that was drawn on it was drawn up in just these really off-the-wall disorganized patterns, and it had about eight queen cells in it. I've never seen so many in a single colony ever, especially this early. It's not uncommon, you know, to see April and May swarms and to have that happen to a colony it's just that I think I had them a little bit too constrained for space, and it was just a very, very productive colony, very good genetics in the queen, and they, they ran with it. So what I did was I went ahead and I split that hive. I made four nucleus colonies from that hive, and I took one of them had a frame, 
that had a, a fully developed queen cell on the frame near the brood chamber. So I dropped that frame and a frame of honey into another colony, into a, nuke, a small nuke. And then I did the same thing with the second one. And then I found a frame that had two queen cells on it that were capped. So I took the full queen cell off of the frame and I put that into another colony, knowing that a queen would be born within the next couple of days. And then a fourth colony, I did the exact same thing. So I did a, you know, basically a four for one split there. Now I knew, I knew that I was leaving, like I said, capped queen cells and, and uh, the queen cup was still in the colony. And I knew the queen was still there. I was pretty confident the queen was still there. I did not see her in this split, by the way, but I figured it's no big deal. I'm going to go in this weekend and I'm going to inspect all of them again. And I'll know right away. If I've got a laying queen in any of those other colonies, the only way that would be possible would be if I moved the queen during that splitting process because the other queens had not been mated yet and would not have had the opportunity to lay eggs. So that was my plan for this coming weekend. Now, this is Friday, April 16th right now. That would have been something I was doing, you know, Saturday the 17th, Sunday the 18th, something like that, because I really wanted to get back in there. I knew there was some sense of urgency. It was about 1.45 p.m. today, and I was sitting at my desk, and I just I heard this really kind of a, a faint buzzing sound, and I looked out the window of my bedroom. From my room, I can see where I've got a couple of my, my hives set up, and there were more bees than you'd ever imagine. They were all over the place, and as soon as I saw that, I knew. I was like, oh, my God, that hive is swarming right now. So I get a little geeked out about this stuff. I was really excited because while it's not really a good thing to have a colony swarm for a bunch of reasons I can talk about later, but it's just a really exciting thing to see. So immediately I like threw my shoes on and went outside and just kind of stood in the middle of them and just listened to them all, the, just the buzzing and, and watching them fly all around. And they're not, you know, they're not angry or aggressive or anything. It's just, you know, they're doing their thing. But I just, I love watching that happen. Like I said, even though I know it's not really the best thing for my my hive management strategy. But anyway, so I, I just stood out, stood out there for a while. I could see them starting to kind of congregate on this branch. So I immediately went, I grabbed my, my saw, I grabbed a ladder, and I went ahead and assembled another nucleus colony. It's a four-frame nuke that I have. And I got that all ready to go. And after, it was probably almost an hour, they were pretty settled in. And, and during this time, if you're not familiar with this whole thing, and this is probably a good time to go ahead and, and just talk about that. So the swarming process is bees' natural way of reproducing. So what happens is you have a bunch of bees in a single colony in, a, in an area. So for us, it's in a beehive, but for them, it might be in a tree or, or you know, a cavity of a home or someplace. And as they get too many bees into, you know, that, that size of a space... Or maybe it's a, a very large space and that queen pheromone is not able to kind of permeate throughout the entire colony like it did when they were a, a smaller colony. The bees just kind of know like, hey, it's time for us to divide up. We're just, we're overcrowded. It, it stresses them out, causes a little bit of anxiety. And that causes them to have the queen as she's going, you know, through the colony and she's laying eggs as she normally does. She lays the eggs of the new and up-and-coming queens. 
then the workers will develop those cells into queen cells. Now, typically, like all young brood, when they're going from the transitioning to the egg to the larva stage, once they become a larva, the workers will feed them royal jelly for the first three days that they're a larva. And then after that, it goes to like a bee bread. It's just a different kind of a combination of food. And that makes a worker bee. Whereas a, uh, a bee that's going to become a queen, she'll get nothing but royal jelly. And then she'll get capped at around day seven or so. And then she spent seven or eight. And then she spends about a week capped in the queen cell. And then around usually day 15, day 16, that's when she's going to emerge and, and do her thing. Now, what, what she'll do is if the first queen who comes out, let's say, for example, you have a colony that has you know three queen cells in it. The first queen that comes out right away, she's looking around for another queen and she's looking for other queen cells. And if she finds a live queen, they have a battle royal and uh, they fight it out for whoever's the strongest. If she doesn't find another queen, she'll go after her queen cells and she'll kill the other queen's inside the cells. And you can usually see this where they'll kind of attack through the side of the queen cell. So if you see a queen cell that you're looking at the bottom of it and it's completely ripped open, that's that normally means that a queen ate her way out of the queen cell from the bottom. But if you see kind of a hole in the side and there's no opening on the bottom, that generally means that, that she was killed inside the cell by the queen, the first queen that came out, the first queen that was born. So then that queen, once she's gone through the colony, she's verified that everything is good to go, no other competing queens. She gets ready to go do her mating flight. She goes out for a few days. She'll mate with anywhere between, you know, 15, 16, and as many as 30 or 40 drones. And then she stores, you know, all of their sperm inside of her. And that is the one and only time that she ever mates. And she's mated for life, and she's all done with that's sort of the whole process in a quick, you know, 30, 40 second overview of, of what happens with, with queens and, and why they swarm. I saw what looked like the queen in this cluster very briefly. And then I, I just, I just didn't get a good look. It could have been a drone, but it was a sizable cluster on this branch. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get this recovered recover this swarm and, and try and see if I can keep that queen. Now I know that I've got four, you know, four other colonies, with her daughter queens in them. So in theory, I should still be able to keep that those genetics, but I was actually planning to breed her. I was planning to breed this queen this spring, so I really don't want to lose her if I don't have to. So I get into position, and I immediately go up, and I start to saw on the branch, and as soon as I start, a big group of the bees just fall to the ground. I'm like, oh, geez. So I thought, okay, let's readjust things here. I'm just going to try and set the new nucleus colony up directly underneath of this branch. That way, any bees that fall off, they'll fall down into this hive, into this colony uh, that I have set up, and I'll just try and try and make it work. So I finally got to a point where I was pretty sure I had the remainder of the cluster where the queen was. I cut that branch off, got everything down, got them into this nucleus colony, got it closed up, and then I left it alone. So I came into the house and I, I looked out about 15 minutes later and there were, you know, the whole front of the colony or the front of the hive box was covered in bees. Some of them were outside. They were, a lot of them were fanning, you know, trying to kind of get that pheromone out to let other, be, other bees that are part of their colony know that, you know, hey, we're here. This is where we are. We're all set up. And over the course of the next hour, you know, they, they just kept going in, going in. And then probably, you know, about two, two and a half hours later, 
they're, they're good to go. Business as usual. They're coming in and out. I watched them come in, pollen sacks loaded. And I put a frame of honey. All of the, all the uh, frames that I put in there were already drawn comb. So this queen should be able to get to work right away. And that's going to be a great, continue to be a great productive hive. So that was pretty cool and exciting today. I did not expect to be doing that at all. I was really planning on a nice, happy inspection of the, the hive tomorrow and, you know, maybe even making a couple more splits or just playing it by ear. Glad that I was able to recover that queen. She's really, really awesome. And I'll continue breeding her the rest of this spring and probably end up, geez, I'm probably going to make maybe 20, maybe 20 more colonies from her this year. We'll see what time permits for that. And we'll, maybe we'll talk about some queen rearing things in another episode. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Now, getting back to you and the things that you're doing and, and the whole purpose of this podcast, which is which is to kind of help pass information on to you kind people out there. So you've had your bees in place now, whether it's a package bee colony or a nuke. You had them in place now for maybe a week, 10 days or so. You might be thinking about this weekend doing your first inspection or hopefully within the next couple of weeks, you're going to have your new colony at home. You'll follow the procedures we talked about in the last episode, get everything installed. So between then and now, I'm hoping that you had a chance to get outside and just, you know, have a seat, grab a chair, sit down in front of them, watch them coming in and out, watching them do their thing. And I know there's some apprehension here. I, I distinctly remember that a feeling that was weighing on me when I was coming up on like day six, seven, eight, where I knew that I had the obligation to do an inspection on this colony, but I really didn't know what I was doing. I was nervous and it's nerve wracking because it's, it's a new thing. And anybody who is brand new to beekeeping and isn't a little bit scared of the idea of getting stung, they're probably not exactly right. 
so you recognize it's it's time time is at hand you got to get the inspection done so what are you going to do now i will tell you one thing i know i've mentioned this in a previous episode but i'm going to go ahead and reiterate this one you're going to use smoke like i i mentioned before this one guy i know swore up and down no no you should never smoke the bees it's bad form it reduces their productivity and blah 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 you're going to use smoke you, you just it makes a world of difference. I have been inside of massive colonies, very, very large colonies, and just a couple of puffs of smoke here and there is enough to keep them calm and allow you to do what you need to do. If you don't do that and they set off that alarm and that alarm pheromone gets propagated through that colony, it's going to be really, really uncomfortable. And I can tell you, especially, you know, if you're trying to get your kids or, a, you know, a young person involved with this at the same time as you're doing it, all it takes is one sting, especially for a kid. As an adult, it, it'll kind of mess you up a little bit, but one sting for a child, and that can, that can really ruin things. So just use the smoke. Now, a few things that I want to just kind of put out as, as pretty generic, and these are going to apply to any inspections, anytime, just things, kind of best practices around planning your inspection. So number one, I'll say on the list is to think about weather. Early in the season, we want to see our bees. We want to know how they overwintered. We want to know how many of them are still in the colony. Are they thriving? Are they starving? I would say exercise a little bit of caution doing early season inspections. I mentioned this before about how they propolize. They, they use propolis to seal all the cracks around the hive. And then as you separate those hive bodies, you can leave cracks behind that they can't really reseal if it's still cold. They just, you know, they're trying to stay in the cluster to stay warm. And then you might cause some problems. What I, what I have done actually is taken like that uh, foil duct tape. And if I've had to separate a colony when I know it's still going to be cold and I know that there might be some cracks there, I just put a, a row or two of that around that crack and that's good enough to hold it together for another month or so until things warm up. But you want to be mindful of the weather and the temperature and things. Because remember, the bees inside that cluster, it's about 95, 96 degrees. They keep it nice and warm inside there. And when it's still cooler outside, it really has a big impact on them. In general, you'll see the bees flying at about 48, 49, 50 degrees, somewhere in there. I typically don't open... The colony is, unless really, I like to see about 70 degrees or more. I've done them cooler. I've done them in 60, 65. Sometimes, you know, you got to do it. The inspection's got to get done. You got to get in there and see how things are going. But really, if you can get it up to about 70 degrees, that's probably even better. The things that are probably almost more important or equally as important, I would say, is to not consider doing an inspection in the rain. Or if you know that you've got rain coming in the next half hour or so, Put the inspection off to the next day or later in the day. You know, overcast is fine. Nice, hot, sunny day, no problem. Rainy day, bad news. You're going to have a very unhappy colony on your hands. And the other thing that's bad, too, is I know, like, with people, if you have somebody who has, like, a an injury, like a cold weather injury, they're outside and they fall into a, you know, a frozen lake or something like that, you lose body heat, like, 25 times more when you're soaking wet. It's a very similar kind of thing for bees. A wet bee is a dead bee. If they're if they're wet and cold, they're gonna die. So don't let them get don't let the entire inside of the colony get exposed to rain. If you can keep that closed up 
and just you know, reserve that inspection for a, a sunny or at least a non-rainy day, the bees will thank you for that. Another thing to consider is how you're actually going to physically interact with the hive components. Now, think about the idea of the bees being in like a hollowed out tree in the middle of the forest. And, you know, a, a bear decides they want to climb that tree and try to, you know, shake the tree down, bust it open and, and get to the honey. For bees, they recognize and can sense and feel movement, vibrations, things like that. So as you are interacting with the various pieces of and components of the hive as you're doing your inspection, try to be mindful of being kind of slow and methodical and just gentle. There's no hurry. You don't have anywhere you got to be. If you have somewhere you have to be, then postpone the inspection until you're done with whatever that is, right? Take your time. It's not a race. The bees are going to be fine. If you have the colony in the hive and everything opened up for an hour, it's going to be all right. Now, you know, ideally, I like to try and keep my inspections to like the 10 to 15 minute range, but, you know, as a hobbyist kind of thing. But, you know, if it's longer, it's going to be okay. But if you go outside that hive and you just take a fist and just start tapping on the side of it, shake it around a little bit, I promise you they're going to come out and they're going to start looking to see what's going on. And, and they may kind of start buzzing you a little bit and letting you know that your activity is not welcome. But if you can get into the into the hive and you can just be very gentle and, like I said, be methodical about what you're doing and taking your time, you know, just a couple of puffs of smoke here and there, do your thing, and in general, you shouldn't have a whole lot of trouble. The things I would say that they are particularly sensitive to is going to be, in general, kind of, you know, bumping into the, the hive or as you're separating, particularly like the outer cover, as you're separating that, sometimes it'll make kind of a loud cracking sound. It almost sounds like wood cracking or splitting. That can kind of make them, you know, move a little bit. And you'll actually hear it. You'll pull the top off and you'll hear a little bit of buzzing. You know, just hit a couple of puffs of smoke and keep on going. And you'll learn to use your hive tool and how to use it and what you need to do in order to kind of be more efficient about your inspections. The other thing that I think is, is very common, I've done it a few times before too, is as you're removing a frame, you get it up about, you know, a third or maybe halfway and it slips a little bit and drops right back down. That movement and that action in and of itself is pretty disruptive. I mean, quite often there are bees on the edges that are walking around and you're going to crush, you know, three or four bees on each side. They know that their, you know, their friends know that they've gotten killed and they're not real pleased about it. So that's another thing that can happen. One thing that I did that I would highly encourage and recommend that you do is to do an inspection on the colony before you actually install it in the hardware, or if you have extra hardware available, put it all together in your garage or in your driveway or wherever you have it, and just walk through the process just like you would if it was full of bees and get used to everything. In a minute here, we'll go ahead and we'll go through kind of those steps and details and, and what that looks like. But remember, vibration and noise and just try to keep everything nice and calm when you're going through your inspection. Okay, the actual inspection itself. Now it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty. So the first thing you do is you're going to come up and you're going to approach the hive, a couple of puffs of smoke near the front entrance. Now there are different people who have different schools of thought on how much time you should wait, how much smoke you should use, all of that. I typically, I will go up and I'll just usually do two or three puffs by the front door, and then I walk around to the side. I give it maybe, maybe five or six seconds. 
really all I do during the time that I'm delaying is I look around the back and the bottom and the sides of the, the hive uh, hive stand itself. I'm, I'm just looking for any spider webs or anything that's around there that could be could possibly mess with the bees or maybe just doesn't belong. And by the time I've done that, I go to the outer cover. Now, particularly if you're doing a first inspection of the season, you'll, you'll want to be thinking about how stuck this outer cover might be. But if this has just been in place for one week, this is your first inspection, it shouldn't be too hard. But go ahead and just remove the outer cover. What you can do if you need to is if you have a telescoping lid or it's a lid that kind of goes over the top and then around the edges, you can actually just wedge your hive tool slightly, you know, up under that lip that's hanging over and then just push up with it. And that'll help to lift the cover off. And then once you do, I take the cover and I set it down right next to me. Because as I'm removing things, I set them on top of the cover so that I don't have to set them on the ground. You definitely do not want to set these components down onto the ground because the ground's going to have, you know, grass, pine needles, you know, whatever is in your yard is on the, on the ground. And these pieces and parts are all covered in propolis. They're very sticky. You set them on the ground and then you try to bring them back up and put them on top of the other hive bodies and components And you've got all kinds of crap hanging out everywhere. You don't want to deal with that. So if for some reason you don't like putting them them down onto that outer cover, figure something else out. Get a piece piece of plywood, maybe a small cart, or whatever works for you. But just have something available that you can use. So I flip the outer cover over. I set that down. Now for the inner cover, I use two different types. I have a cloth inner cover. I learned about this from the University of Guelph up in Canada. I think his name is Paul Kelly from the University of Guelph. Great videos on YouTube if you have the time, the opportunity. Highly recommend them. Very, very sharp group of people up there. But they get these pieces of cloth. And if somebody's looking for the cloth and trying to track it down, shoot me an email. I can get you a link. I just don't remember off the top of my head. But basically, I just I lay the nukes on top of it. I just set them on top of it. I take a pin and draw around it and then I just cut it out. And these cloth inner covers are great. I've been using them now for a couple of years. They work really, really well. When they get funky and nasty, you just crumble it up, throw it away. No big deal. You could probably, I didn't even think about this, but you could cut it into little pieces, add it in a smoker fuel and use it for that. That works really, really well. If you don't want to use that, you can still use a standard wooden inner cover. Nothing wrong with that either. So now you remove the inner cover, you set that off to the side, and you are looking at, let's just say as an example, you have a 10-frame Langstroth hive, and you've got, again, whether it was a a package of bees or whether it was a nucleus colony, you're kind of in the same situation, but we are going to talk about the differences, and I'll I'll divide those up right now, but the process is the same. One thing I, I would recommend is as you remove the frames, you definitely want to make sure you're not setting them down on the ground. Now, I will set them on, depending on the the stand I'm using, sometimes I can just set them next to the colony and just lean them against the hive, against the hive body itself, and that works fine. Figure out something that works for you. You can bring an extra nuke with you, and you can take out the frame, look at it, and set it into the nuke. Whatever works. One thing I've used for years when I was first starting out, I don't really use them much anymore, but I still think they're really good, is a frame hanger. So as soon as you open everything up, you set the frame hanger on the edge, on the long edge of the hive. And then as you're pulling frames out, you look at them and you set them into the hanger. And then you go through the hive. And then when you're done, you put them back. You just want to make sure you're putting everything back in the same order that it was when you took it out. 
So when you're doing your actual inspection, what I would say is let's just start with the package of bees. If it's a package of bees, you're going to basically go right to the middle. Go to like frames five and six. Use your hive tool in the top and just kind of wedge the frames aside left and right and take out the middle frame. And what you're looking for is a few things. Ideally, somewhere in there you had your queen cage. So you want to remove the queen cage and make sure that your queen was released. She should be out of the cage and inside the hive doing her thing. But recover the queen cage and go ahead and get that out. And what you can do is there might be four, five, 20, whatever bees on it. Just take it out and set it down right by the entrance. The bees will start walking around and they'll just walk back in the hive. Everything's fine. Now, what you're going to look for is you want to see drawn comb. You want to see, hopefully, in some areas where maybe they're storing some nectar, storing some pollen. But the most important thing is you would love to see the queen. Ideal scenario, you're seeing the queen, you're physically putting your eyes, you know, you're looking at her and you're like, boom, there's the queen. Now, this is not always the easiest thing to do, but that's, that's what you ideally want. The next best thing is you want to look for eggs. There are times where there's just a bunch of bees everywhere. The queens, especially these younger, you know, queens that have just recently been mated, they're a little bit more skittish sometimes, and they'll hide behind corners and go around the frames, and as you're looking at them, they're ducking around the other side. Some of them can be pretty elusive. What you want to do is look inside the cells near the middle, because the middle of the hive and the middle of the frames are typically where they're going to be laying first. And you're going to want to look for just what looks like little pieces of rice inside the cells. If you see a bunch of those all through the frame and the comb is all drawn out and the bees are, you know, workers are moving through those areas, you're in business. That means you've got a laying queen. That means that she's doing what she needs to do. All is right in the world. So at that point in time, what I recommend is just take a quick look around. I wouldn't even worry about doing a whole lot. Just do a quick look around you know, do a quick check for hive beetles, look and see if you see any moths or anything hanging around. And I would close it back up because right now she's doing what she needs to do in that 21 day cycle you know, of workers, you know, from when they go from egg to a full, you know, full functional worker, that three week cycle, you're probably, I don't know, three days in at this point, you know, one to three days in. So you put it away, leave it alone. Technically you don't even need to do an inspection again for about two weeks. I still like to do them once a week if I can for those newer colonies. And it's not going to hurt, right? You go in once a week, you look around, see what's going on, gives you more experience, more opportunity to learn. So I would absolutely recommend doing one once a week. And then you can start to see that cycle go from egg to larva to capped brood, then seeing actual, I mean, I've, I've held frames many, many times in my hand and watched a worker being born and coming out of the, the cell, which is always pretty cool. So that, like I mentioned before, you're going to want to pack everything up, put it back like you found it, put it all back together, close up shop. The only real difference between that inspection, you know, the inspection of the, of the package bees and an inspection of a nucleus colony is that what you're looking for now is your nuke should have probably five frames. And inside of that Langstroth hive, you're going to have, you know, ten, eight, at least eight, but probably 10 frames. What I'm hoping has happened is that those bees that were already in there that came with your nuke, I'm hoping that they've been drawing up comb. I'm hoping that you're going to see a lot of emerging brood. So after a week, you should see all those frames, those three frames of capped brood 
most of them should have been born. So you should have a really, really good population in the colony right now. But again, go back to that middle frame. Start there, pull that out, take a look, and look for, you know, has all that brood that was there the previous week been born? Are you seeing maybe some intermittent you know, where it looks like where you see some capped brood, but some of the cells are open. That means probably very recently born bees have vacated the cell. Go go look and, and look in some of those areas to see if the queen has come back through and laid eggs again. So the same kind of thing you're looking, you want to find your queen. If you can't find your queen, well, even if you do, whether you find her or not, you still want to look and make sure that she's laying eggs and that, and that the eggs are, you know, at this stage, you're not going to really know. But the ideal scenario is that you find a really good brood pattern. And what I mean by a good brood pattern is you have kind of this nice concentric circle or ovular kind of thing that fills the entire middle area of the frame. You know, all of the cells have capped brood in them. It's not, you know, spotty with some cells that have brood and some that don't, you know, it it looks kind of disorganized. You want to see a nice, nice kind of uh, even in concentric cluster of, uh, of brood. And that's something you'll look for down the road. But again, you're just looking to see, is the queen there? And do I have some eggs? Does everything look to be functional and, and operating? And are they drawing up new comb? Now, as time goes by, you don't want to be in the same situation that I am here where I've got no more space for the bees and they start to swarm. A lot of people will, will say, oh, okay, well, I've, you know, I've got seven of the frames are drawn up comb and they still have three frames left, so I'm good. My general kind of rule and recommendation if you're working with a, a Langstroth hive is once you get about to that point, about seven of your frames are drawn up, I would go ahead and drop another hive body on top of that. Now, this is going to go into a whole separate discussion that I'm not going to do right now. But what you can do if you want is you can drop a queen excluder on top and then put another deep on top of that. Or you can just put another deep on top of that and and let the queen go wherever she thinks that she needs to go. Now, it's not uncommon at all for bees to like to move vertically. They like to move just like they would in a tree. I've had many colonies that have had the middle eight frames or so drawn up with comb and nectar and honey, and they'll go up, but they'll leave those outer frames. They won't even touch them. I've had bees before that have made swarm cells and had an entire hive body above them that haven't even gone into. I'm going to take a quick break here, and what we're going to do is we're going to put this into an, I'm actually going to have to go to an episode two here. I was trying to, to, to get everything into one, but as always, I run my mouth too long and I have all these other ideas and things that I still need to get done. So I'm going to pull a quick break here. We'll get everything kind of get the notes in order here and get ready. I'm going to pick up where we left off and we're just going to keep rolling right along here. Stay tuned. We'll get a part two of this up here ASAP and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.